Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Okay, I hope everyone can hear us. Welcome to class three and the third class. We'll start for now. It's not that, you know, there's a story of, whoever brings it down at the end of the end of the rain. That I think was Robinson Rivka. I think it's the mother of the photograph or the grandmother. She was a little kid and she was crying and they couldn't, they couldn't stop her. She's crying and crying away. After a while, they didn't know what to do. So they they gave her a candy, whatever it was in those days, whatever candy they had. So she's like a lollipop. She took it, she started eating it, and then she took it out of her mouth. She said, I haven't stopped crying. I'm just taking a break. <laughs> so, so so too with these classes, it's all like we finished this class and we figured it all out. <laughs> we know what it means to have a good marriage and, and a chassidish marriage and what that means. It's a lifelong journey. And yeah, but we just we can't do this all the time. We have to change things up. But yeah, that's just introduction class three. Not the final class. Although it is <laughs> for now, yeah. So before we start, we get into it and we discuss the question, uh, um, the story. Basically, we're going to, like I said before, just put on the recording that we have. We're going to talk about some stories from the Rebbe, the Rebbeson, and their marriage, something that can we can learn for ourselves to prepare ourselves to marriage and to understand what it means, even if we are married. Things we should be implementing. Before I start, I had some questions, and we'll see what you guys think. So the first question, I guess, is when you're dating, how do you know, not to get too <laughs> into it, but how do you know, well, how do you think you'll know when it's the right one? That's a good question. And what do you think is going to happen? Do you, do you think you'll get some clarity, or you'll just jump in? Uh, Maybe it's a mix of both. Personally, I'm not very jumping. I need clarity. I should know that. <laughs> so, is, is the clarity a clarity of, of how is the clarity? Is it for feelings? Is it intellectuals on paper? I think a mixture. It has to make sense on paper. And I think my mushroom... So, can you elaborate? Meaning, Meaning, how it'll look like. We have, we have to, you know, we have to. One of the things I'm on a, a fundraising group to try to fundraise so we can do bigger and better things in the Chassidus. And one of the things he talks about is picturing part of like Chassidus, picturing what you want it to look like, what you want life to be like. One of the stories is that one of the Shluchim, he, he was like six, seven kids only in like a one bedroom. It was like a crazy situation. In Christ. And he spoke to the guy that like trains us, his name is Shmoy Rothman. He actually spoke for the Luxidus, great guy, very like cool. So he said, I told him that from when I understood the story, he told him you should picture in your mind. First of all, come join the classes, you, know, you have to picture in your mind what you want to look like. You have to, you have to have an image where you're going. And the guy said, like I, I heard it a few weeks ago, he was like, 
Yeah, like I'm in a house. Like I moved, moved into a house. He goes, I don't know how. It doesn't make any sense to me. And one of the things we're talking about is having that image in our minds. So, so to with dating, there's a balance of having this unrealistic, crazy image, but but also having, but on the other hand, we should have some, you know, like something we're looking for. Maybe not the image is like a specific look of a person, but it's idea. So what do you think? What is the image? What's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? So I'm saying the image is not necessarily like a specific thing, but let's say this guy had an image of a house that he's going to live in a house. What, what's it going to feel like when you're in a house? What's it going to feel like when you get engaged? You know, I remember when I got engaged. So I was in Mayanot, and and I was getting a lot of help from Icon over there. He's always not there anymore, but he's an amazing teacher, and he really guided. He saw I needed help, and he guided me. And and he told me at one point, he was like, he's like, ask me questions. Like, you have to figure that we have to figure these things out. Like, do these things, because you're a certain personality, to make sure that now my wife is gonna, it's not gonna like conflict with that. It's not gonna, otherwise, it won't work. So that's how I was like going. And then at a certain point, he's like, yes, everything seems like it's going good. So he goes, you don't have to wait too much longer. I'm like, you can go in the next stage. And I was like, whoa. Like, I remember the image in my head was like, you know, you play like a video game or something, and it's like, you finished. People play these games for forever and it finishes. I'm like, I finished the game. <laughs> like, I was playing for the game. Like, this is the game. It's just dating. And I didn't realize, like, wow, there's an end to this game. I finished dating. I'm like engaged. So, so I'm saying it's not like a specific image, but it's like an idea. Meaning, some people say they'll feel it. So maybe it's not the image of a person, it's the idea of a feeling. Yeah. Like, will you know? Like that, I, I wouldn't, like I said, I think I knew from, from early on, but I was like, that was like that on paper clarity. He was like, you're good. You can, you, I, like, from my wisdom and understanding, you're good. So do you guys feel, like, how will that happen? Do you have someone that's going to do that for you? Or are you going to do it for yourself? Oh, you haven't thought about it? That that situation is your wife. So you were so now looking back at it. Like you also not you, but that person you date somebody and it could not be right. So you also need somebody to say, like, yeah, that doesn't sound good. You know. Yes, yeah, so you meaning you're saying you should have someone that can you can bounce things off and clarify for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And, and and is that a few people? Is it one person? It could be a few. Yeah. People know you in different ways. Mm -hmm. So like one person maybe should, like I have one person going through with all the different people so they can know like, oh, remember that person? Is that it, it, yeah, I agree. Like ask friends, maybe a certain point, Christmas friends, or like, <laughs> so th those people you're asking is it is it for advice or for them to bounce it off like me meaning like in my situation i had a rabbi i had someone above that was married that has the experience that i trusted that was the go-to that, that that i was trusting like him yeah, with, yeah exactly 
Uh-huh. So you guys have that, huh? And, and you trust? You have full, full faith in the Mashbiyah? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, I do, synthetically. But at the same time, like, they don't know me. Like, they're not in my brain. You know, so I think at the end of the day, you're the one ending up marrying the person. So, like, you have to be, you have to feel confident that, you know, because you're yourself. Hundred percent. Just you, you're clarifying. It's a very important point that you're saying. That what I'm saying it sounds a little bit like I don't know, and I'm just jumping and letting someone else make the decision for me. But Yanjan writes, and I was already set. Like in my head, after three dates, I was done. Yeah. And then I had someone with with sort of the brain aspect and saying, emotionally, you're good. Intellectually, it also makes sense. What's he saying? It's important to have that 100%. Very good. Yeah, yeah, very good. The next question is how would we, how do you guys, how do you think we should define, or how do we define love? It's a tough question. Welcome. So we just add, we just asked the question. No one's asked yet. How would we define love? You know, I'll, t- I'll tell you something funny. Years ago, so close to probably ten years ago, I don't know, like the scene in Karnatch was very different, and a lot of discussions that we have nowadays that didn't didn't exist. So one time I remember this. My wife went to a talk with Manus Friedman, and someone else was there. And he, and he was, it was about marriage or something, I don't remember what the topic was. And when my wife came out, she was talking to a friend of hers, that she was, a friend of hers are like older than us, you know, like husband Tom Chachum, you know, the hush people. And she was like, she really was put off by the, by the talk. And her complaint was, she was talking about love. And she was like, you know, it's like an uncomfortable word for it. It was very uncomfortable. So my friend and I were thinking about it. I'm like, that's true. We're trying to grapple with this. What does that mean? Why, why is it uncomfortable? And so what we realized is it doesn't make sense. What's this talk about? What's, what's the main job of us, especially when we dive in, to love Hashem? So how can we say love is an uncomfortable word? So I realized because love is a language she understands. Say, Avas Hashem. So this talks about it all the time. What does that mean? When you translate it, it means love, but, but you don't you keep it in the in the, the lingo of Yeah, whatever. I remember one time we had we had Pesach Seder and we had one of the girls in the Chassidus, like a newly married couple, came. So I told the guy, I said, if you don't mind, you read in English. So at least we understand what we're saying. So he's like, fine. So I remember this. It's like, I'll never forget. So up to Hallel, you know, all tired already. And he's reading Halal in English. He's, he's David all the time in Hebrew. So Halal is reading English. And at one point, he goes, so I can't remember what it was, but he said, and to love Hashem, to love your Lord. And he, he like paused. And he was like, whoa. <laughs> he kept going. I'm like, what happened? So he goes, like, love Hashem. Well, I got to love Hashem. It's like, whoa. It's a, so I said, it's so funny. We say this every day, but like, after Hashem doesn't mean anything. You know, it's like, it's like imagine a, a wife or a husband, they say to each other, I, I have, I have you. It's like, what does that mean? It's like you say, I love, it's a whole different, 
meaning. Stam. So, but, but, so let's then, at a Ferenian and Sukkot's time, I remember I was with Ferenian someone, like a, a guy who lived in Quran for many years, and I said, and I complained that Chassidus, we don't, we talk Chassidus language, but it's not like our language. Right? So he's like, yeah, whatever. So I said to him, what does it mean, love? What do you mean, love Hashem? You have to love Hashem. What does it mean? So, so I remember this. He's like, oh, okay. you have to ask my Shpia such a question. It's my Shpia question. And it's like, you've been married for many years, and we're talking, this is, this is a language that you use all the time. We've got to sort of figure out what this language, what, what this is. I think, you know, so I guess it's something we've got to think about. What does it mean to love Hashem? One of the things, that, the one of the things I learned, I'm not saying I have the answer. I grappled this years ago, and this is an answer I got. I haven't like thought about it since, but, and we're going to, oh, we're going to learn about it tonight. That's the truth. She didn't internalize. But one of the things I got taught is that it talks about when you love Hashem, you do things. The source, it says in Tanya, the source of the positive mitzvahs is love. And so also the negative mitzvah is fear. So when we're afraid of Hashem or afraid of what's going to happen, welcome, welcome. So we're afraid of the connection, of losing the connection to Hashem, so we'll have, we'll be afraid and we won't do what we shouldn't be doing. That's the negative mitzvah, standing away from doing something. When we love Hashem, it's, it's proactive, it's doing. Because I love Hashem, I'm going to do something. So like, meaning the way... You know, the way we talk about love is not what it makes me feel necessarily. It's like the joke. The guy goes, I love fish. So the fish goes, you don't love fish, you love yourself. If you love fish, you wouldn't go eat me. So love is more, more of, of like, a, I think it's like a, a muscle or an action that we do. And that sort of meaning, I don't know if that's like, how to say what, that, what is love, but the actions show that you love. You know, when we do mitzvahs, we don't know if we love Hashem. We do mitzvahs with intent. We, sh- we love Hashem. That's how we do it. We'll see. And we'll see more in, in what we read. I have more questions, but I think we'll just move on. <laughs> well, that's one more question. One more question. What do you guys think is the best marriage advice you'd give before we learn? What do you guys think? Or you can say, I don't know. Or any, any. Two words, yes, yeah. <laughs> That's a matter for the husband, okay, yeah. <laughs> you, you, no, I'm not saying it for me, but yeah, okay. Someone, someone told me to always find, always be on a treasure, she said not treasure hunt, because hunt has a negative connotation, but always be on a tre- treasure search within each other. Want to explain that a little bit? Meaning that, like, as life goes on, life happens and all kinds of things happen, but always be searching for the treasures within each other. Like the idea of being curious about something that you are engaging. But curious and also curious. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, the treasures. Sounds super practical. <laughs> 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 yeah, was that being sarcastic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning it sounds really nice, but I've never done it, so I don't know. You can start it now with with friends, roommates. Yeah. Also, I don't want to put a plug in, but also today's morning share <laughs> talks about this. Obviously, so 
And the altar of it says, so my three levels of Avish Yisrael, the altar of it says that uh, the Avish Yisrael says, Vavtalarecha kamoycha ishlav, a fellow Jew like yourself. So, so what does it mean, how can you love someone like yourself? So just like, so he said, just like by yourself, within yourself, you look at yourself, you don't see all your faults, or you, even if you do see your faults, don't look at them as like a bad, you don't say, we don't say to ourselves, I'm such a bad, but I hate myself. But even when we do, like unfortunately in this generation, we can be very hard on ourselves, but it's not the same way. We still excuse that all our bad actions. When someone else does it. The natural tendency is we're very judgmental. And Salter was saying, just like you see yourself and you, and you, you, can, you can withstand all the issues you have and you still, you still nice yourself. You don't like overly judgmental. So to someone else, it should be that way. You could say for sure, I'll say in a marriage. Like, you can't be over judging of your spouse. Just like you love yourself, you just love them. And, uh. Anyway, so basically, what we're gonna do, we're gonna, we're gonna get, jump into it now. I got this while I was preparing the class. I, got, I found this on Chabad Dog and I really liked it. It's from uh, Mendel Kalmanson. All these stories we've heard, you just put it together. And it's just different stories from the Rebbe and the Rebbetson, and which help us think. And, and ultimately, we don't have to be married. This is a very big mistake. People think when I get married, I'm going to change. I get married, I'm going to do all these things. And I asked did this. And I got engaged. I'm like, oh, now I'm going to get I have to go walk myself. But it doesn't, you can start now. As, as a friend of mine went, yeah, yeah, exactly. A friend of mine went to Manus Friedman. He said, my wife just had a baby. What's like the chinuch advice I should have? If I want to start now, he goes, you're nine months too late. So what do you mean? The baby's not born. The point is, you can all start now. And, and the more you start now, the easier the transition is. And, yeah. Anyway. Well, that's slightly different because, like, for this, this is, like, actually working on ourselves, and it's not only in the marriage. It's, like, ourselves personally. So, like, yeah, why wait till you're engaged? Like, a baby, it's, it's like, it's, it's slightly different, I feel, in my opinion. Sure. But you could also say, once... Once. Well, no, you're not. You're never gonna have a relationship like your husband. Roommates are not your husband. Right. Friends are not your husband. Family's not your husband. Yeah, no, but you're you're, not, yeah, yeah. For certain, right? Like I've had roommates, and it's like I, I can't imagine anyone sane wanting to marry someone. Honestly, we all hate. <laughs> okay. But I, I, that's why I don't live with them before you get married. <laughs> <laughs> But I think also, you're not trying to create a marriage before marriage. You're trying to learn skills of, of yeah, and as we're going to learn here, these skills can be applied now when your marriage is to the ultimate, ultimate extreme. Okay. Um, I guess I'll read, but everyone can, no, no. You can always jump in, any questions, any comments? Yeah, these are simple but profound ideas. You heard us Fishman, a Jewish educator in, in Boulder, Colorado, relates to the following encounter that she had with the rabbi. Someone once suggested a young businessman as a suitable marriage partner for me. I met him, I met with him a few times, but I was unsure if he was truly my soulmate. I went to the office of the rabbi's secretariat and I asked if I can make an appointment with the rabbi. My appointment was set for a few weeks later, highly unusual considering the typical wait for a meeting. I don't know what that means, if it was short or long. No, I don't know why they put it in, but anyway. The rabbi took the initiative into in asking me questions. Do you like this man? It was an obvious question, but to me, coming from a rabbi, a totally unexpected one. I gulped before replying. I have the same basic love for him as one is supposed to have for any fellow Jew. So I have a grin from ear to ear, 
with a confidential, confidential smile of a close relative. He responded, for a husband, you have to have more than a basic love of fellow Jew. Meaning, and this is something that also people get confused. They were saying that, the, that she was trying to say, I don't really, like, I don't, like, there's no connection more than the basic, yeah, it's nice. So they were saying that's, a, that's not your husband's. As Manus Shubin says in this book, Fast Acting Long Lasting, he brings down over that's a very good book about dating. I read through it. It's funny, as us, we've married when you read through it, it's very good. And I said, right through it, it very nice. One of the things he says with them is, What's chemistry? How do you define chemistry? Anyone? How would you define chemistry? Like actual chemistry? Or like yeah. Oh, yeah. Very good. Now, English, English. A rapport. A rapport. Explain. Like you're comfortable enough that you could kibitz. I know you said English, but like, come on, it's just. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. She's saying it's a, a, you feel comfortable. Letting your letting your guard down enough, not all the way, but like a certain amount. Why not all the way? Just wondering. Because when you're when you're like when you're engaged, it's like there has to be like a little like a sense of ego, right? Uh huh. So you're saying it's a it's just a feeling of comfortability. Mm, like that plus attractiveness plus like it's like a it's like a form of which is what chemistry is. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else? What is, how would you define uh, chemistry? Yeah. So how would we, how would we make a difference like, between? Um, I, I beg to differ because sometimes <laughs> like, <laughs> I like to differ because sometimes you could want to hang out with someone and there's like because you like them or whatever, but not necessarily, yeah, like no, not necessarily they're like that attraction that that you're talking about. Yeah. So what would what would you call that? That would be infatuation. That's like a friend. Yeah. <laughs> like that's like these things like aren't definable. They're not tangible. It's so hard to put that into like. Yeah, but I think it's also it's good to discuss it, but we got to try to figure oh, out ourselves. Sure, but it's like, it's not an easy... So you you're good. He it's what he said. He said chemistry is chemistry. He said it very well. He was his chemistry is when when you're dating, and you feel comfortable. And you're not thinking about yourself. You feel comfortable with the person. You can be open. Not open that I'm revealing all my secret, but open. You just feel comfortable. You have to overthink everything and like wondering what's going on and how is she taking it. Things like that. It just just flows comfortable. It's not like you can't speak because you're uncomfortable because it's so whatever taking you away. It just I'm just gonna be myself. I think it's a very nice, you know, and then like he says over there, and it's sort of makes sense. Like if you feel that on a date, you're not like overthinking everything, you're not trying to make conversation, trying to just you just there, it's a good sign. It's dumb. So this is what the rebel is telling you. That she was, it, it sounds like what she was saying was like, yeah, like it's not bad. 
So I'm saying that's not, it's not a good enough, you know, to say, to say, I have as much, obviously, soul as everyone else. Like, okay, Shkaya. Like, if you tell that to the person you're dating, you know, what do you think of me? I have as I like you, like, I like everyone else. <laughs> so it's nice, but it's not, yeah. Uniqueness. There has to be that uniqueness that separates it from everyone else. Yeah, not the basic level of exactly. But no, when you're saying what's chemistry, so let's take like that wanting to hang out. Like, why do you want to hang out with that person as opposed to another person? And like the the chemistry, the, the comfortability, like all that. Why is that level? Why is all that combined? Why is that whole formula? And how does it differentiate from anyone else? But the question is, I'll ask, and how would we separate that between infatuation? Like, or whatever that word is. They're like, you just... They're not talking about infatuation. I'm just saying you're asking what's chemistry and it's what makes that person different from everybody else. Like, why are you choosing... You can have chemistry with a few people, I guess. Right, but... In but chem- so what, what, what he's saying is chemistry is a good indicator. If you're dating a person that, like, let's say you're dating a person that you technically want to marry, but you notice yourself constantly trying to like figure things out and you're not there, you're not just yourself, you're like in your head half the date. That's not a necessarily a good sign. You know, one or two dates in, but if six dates in, you're still doing that. Maybe, you know, it's not like, it's like you're forcing it. Something very interesting. So defining love. That's what the rabbi says. We had this question in the beginning. What, what is love? I think it's a very beautiful understanding. Real love is an experience that intensifies throughout life. It is the small everyday acts of being together that makes love flourish. It is sharing, caring, and respecting one another. Yeah. So love is, like we said before, like you love Hashem. How do I know you love, how do you know you love Hashem? You do mitzvahs. I'm not so much doing mitzvahs like you don't think, like you think about it. That's, you know, and in, in a husband life, wife relationship, it's the same thing. I remember one time we were newly married, we went to a friend's, my friend's for Shabbos. They lived somewhere else. We traveled, uh, whatever we went there. And so the husband picked us up. We went uh, a bus, I think, and he picked us up. So he was driving to go get flowers for his wife. And she called him. She's like, hey, I need you to come home. I need your help. She's like, yeah, okay, okay, I'm coming. And then, so he went the other direction and went to go get flowers. So he comes home like 20 minutes later. Instead of coming straight away, she knew how the distance was from where we were, you know, we're here and she's there. And he went along. So she's like, Where are you? He's like, oh, I got your flowers. She was like, I didn't ask for flowers. I asked you to be here. So, so whatever, it was like a very interesting for us to be there and see this, but it was very, it's very telling. It was a very important lesson that, that essentially, if he wants to show he loves his wife, he's saying, I want to show you I love you by buying flowers. But if you want to show her love, you have to be in tune with what she wants. And at that point, well, <laughs> but like, so he's saying the love is these little, and it's the little things you do. It's, it's being attentive, you know, and it's sort of, I guess, the question ourselves. We say, do I want to show love our parents? We, want to, we love our parents. How do I, how do I show my parents that I love them? By, by what can I do for you? How do I do things? You know, how can I be there? And, and, and like he says, the little, it's the small everyday acts. It's not like writing a letter on Mother's Day. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> She's not. You should all do it. But I'm saying it's it's those little things that we can show, and and it's a, it's a conscious thing that we can do. 
and, and, and as you go, it builds, you know, it becomes more natural. It's not like, let me think about this, but like you naturally do this thing. I care about you. I want to, you know, how do I make it more? One of the best descriptions of love I've come across in my research, in my search for the truth definition of, of that mysterious and elusive word was articulated by the Rebbe. As a young unmarried woman, Hannah Shafstein was discussing with the Rebbe some prospective matches that had been suggested to her. And she explained why none of them appealed to her. So the Rebbe chuckled. You have read too many romance novels. Love is not the overwhelming binding emotion we find in the world of fiction. Real love is an experience that intensifies throughout life. Yeah, for some reason it's twice. I don't know why I did that. It is a small everyday acts of being together that makes love flourish. It is sharing, caring, and respect one another. It is building a life together, a family, and a home. As two lives unite to form one, over time, there is a point where each partner feels they are a part of the other, where each partner can no longer visualize life without the other. And so you can imagine, that's what I said somewhere else, the says it's like a candle. And every day, in all the little acts you do, you add wax to the candle. So it's a bigger and bigger and stronger candle. That's also in, in, in the outside world, sort of you start off with love and somehow like has to survive. Whereas in was this definition and, and Judaism, you start off with a little bit of love and it grows over time. You know, you, you see what I'm saying? It's not like, it's when you're marrying someone, you're not marrying someone necessarily because you love them. Because as we're seeing here, love is not just something. It's, it's something that's built. It's, it's a lifelong journey of building. Of course, you have to feel an attraction or, you know, all the other chemistry and all those important things. And we go on the same page and the same values. But love is, is built, you know? That's what he, and that's what he's saying, that, that it's the same of time. But the way we do it is the expression, as he's saying here, and this is sort of the lesson we're learning. I want to show love to my roommates. Not in a, it doesn't have to be a crazy way, but like, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to practice this. It's like, it just, it's thinking about someone, hey, I know, you know, I know my roommate likes it when I don't put my shoes over here and I love putting it over there. So I'll, I'll be respectful, I'll move it. You know, little things like that is it's it opens you up to a whole different world. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> You're gonna tell your roommate what bothers you. So you say, now nah, you can show me how you love him by not doing that. <laughs> to understand this definition of love, we can look at the Rebbe and Rebbitsons and the Rebbe and the Rebbitson who personified these three essential ingredients: sharing, caring, and respecting. And you'll see exactly what we just talked about how to express in all these different ways. Sharing. Sharing with one spouse goes beyond time, resources, and a bank account or home. It means sharing an identity and destiny. Yeah, it's it meaning not even some people don't even share bank accounts, they have several bank accounts. It's smart. it's smart to have several bank accounts. Explain. No, you should definitely have joint, but there's no reason why you can't have your own. Yeah. Just because, like, I've heard enough crazy stories that, like, a woman should always be kind of, like, she should always be kind of absolutely, like, behind her. That's not the topic, but I just pointed it out. Sorry. No, no, it's good. It's a, it's a challenge for some sense. Ah, I get what you're saying. You're saying yeah. yeah. No, no, I didn't say your name. So, like, on, from a personal perspective, like I know plenty of women that had they had the financial means to 
get at them, pick at them, abusive relationships, they would have done it a lot earlier than they did, or they would have done it, period. I'm just saying, like... I hear you. This is not a prenup. This is just, there's no reason why he can't have his own thing. Like, let's say, for example, you have, someone has 100K before they get married because they worked and worked and worked. There's no reason why they can't keep 50K of that separate. It's a few issues that will combine together. Because one issue is abuse, and that's a big issue. The other issue is coming to a marriage, and this is sort of the issue. I don't, I don't know the Allah ramification of the prenup issue. I don't know. But a general issue, imagine you're going to a marriage and you're saying, I don't really trust you 100%. That's not a good way to start the marriage. But, but what you're saying is 100% true. But I think... There's also a sense of like, of like, I, like, it's like you're saying they share identity. Like there should also be like, like there should be a shared identity, but there also needs to be like a, a sense of like separate identity. Like you're not just two people combined. So you're also two people. But the goal is to become one, not to stay separate. Yes, but at the end of the day, are you always looking at a couple as Mendy and Chaya, or there's Mendy's like him, like there, there's aspects to Mendy and there's aspects to Chaya? The goal is to become Mendy Chaya. Okay. I'm not saying that we to disagree. I'm just saying like that that is a point, and I feel like there is a point in what I'm saying. I think, I think what you, I don't disagree with what you're saying. In theory, I think the pro- what you're saying is there's an issue that some people have bad marriages and we want to avoid them getting stuck. And that's 100% valid. It's 100% true. I think there has to be a system of free- either figuring out before marriage. Unfortunately, we get to see, looks at this, not like we live with people, but like you get married, you be around for a while, you start to see things. And, and people getting married, they're not necessarily should be getting married. And the people letting them get married is, is an issue. So for sure in those situations, there's a backup plan. And I think between me and you, I don't see how if there's an abusive relationship, like from my little experience of knowing things like that and knowing the community, especially in Heights, there should be an ability of people to get a woman out. Financially, that shouldn't be the issue. There's a lot more issues than that. But if it's a financial issue, that shouldn't be what's stopping them. Um, I mean, I mean, but but it's it's a, listen, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a different topic. But it's I a short, think, difficult I think issue. It's something that not all people should be aware. Of. I'm just saying, like I've seen it happen five too many times. I think what maybe what shouldn't happen is that you have a a sort of a like a kupa, like a whatever, like a not a charity, but like some. That, but that's something that you do with them and someone So, for one to reach out is, is, the, is an issue. But, it, but if it was publicized that, that money shouldn't be an issue, it's not, just, it's, not, it's not just a woman reaching out. It's, it's harder than reaching out because it, it, it's hard, it can't just like pick up. It's not that simple. It's complicated. Whatever. It's a whole different discussion. We got to keep it. But I'm saying there should be other ways of solving it. I'm not, I'm not saying a woman should lose her money. I'm just saying that, that it's, it's to be very careful to start a marriage in this way. It's, it's not a healthy start to the marriage. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying that you should straight out say, I'm giving my own money. Talk about it. Say, I, I would feel comfortable if I had my own percentage. Like... For sure, a woman should have, a, 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 you could say another way, to have an account that, that's like for them to use. 
Saron free. Yeah, whatever. Yes, but it's hundred percent. No one should be in any abusive relationship, and that should never happen. And we shouldn't let it happen. Okay. Yeah, it means being there for one spouse, there and nowhere else. A young man wants having difficulty in his marriage. Asked the Rebbe for sugur. A spiritual tip: The Rebbe told him after Shabbos, when the dirty dishes are piling up, piling high, roll up your sleeves and help your wife with the cleaning. Yeah, everyone's heard this. I think the story is really that that he said, I heard it's a sugur for Bayes is folding your talus. So he said, yeah, it's also folding up your sleeves and uh, doing the dishes. So listen to this. And not long after that, someone who had overheard the conversation also exalted the Rebbe. I overheard your marital advice. And since then, I've been helping my wife in the kitchen. My marriage hasn't improved. Am I missing something? So what's the, so, so what's the problem? Why didn't his marriage improve? Explain. It's very good. Explain it. It's like a silly, like, meaning you can't just do what works for somebody else in your situation or your situation. Exactly. And it's, and it's also like, you don't know what your wife, you're not connecting your wife, you're just trying to tick the boxes, you know? I buy flowers, maybe your wife doesn't like flowers. Just because you think you meant to buy flowers doesn't mean that's what she wants. Yeah, exactly. So there I was one with a smile. If your contribution at home was merely the result of my advice, motivated by a sense of obligation or personal interest, don't you think your wife would have felt that? So she's not happy because you're not doing it for her. You're trying to cheat the system. You have to know what your wife wants, 100%. And, I, and, it, and it, well, it goes also the same way. You know, one of the things that, that we've learned in marriage, and people in marriage for many years don't even know this, it's, it's take out the guesswork. In the movies, we watch too many movies. In the movies, it's like he just it's magically figures himself out. Surprise. It doesn't work that way in, in real life. You ask, what do you want? I went, you know, I have a pay document as a missile to buy jewelry for your wife. So I said, what, what are you looking for? And what color? She told me she wanted a necklace and uh, this rose gold. And I went to the store. I bought her. If I would go and I'd buy her uh, white gold earrings. And so she, she'd be stuck. She's like, uh, like she, she wants to be nice to me, but I bought her something, but she doesn't like it. So just, we have to just, you know, we have to understand, hey, what would you like? You know, and if, and, and hopefully after a few years, you already know by yourself. You don't have to ask, but you know for sure. But, but, you know, taking out the guesswork, it's not, you know, also like a few weeks ago, my wife went to Shabbos calls, yeah, for, for the weddings. So that Shabbos, she went to two Shabbos calls. And I said, I have Minchas about seven, whatever. If you can come back by seven, so I can go to Mincha. She went, you know, I had all the kids. She went. She came back at seven. So I was like, cool, thank you. So she was like, you don't understand what happened. So then she explained to me, you have to run from this place to that place, and this person stopped, and all these things happened. If she wouldn't have told me that, I wouldn't have known anything. So I'm like, there you, go. you came on time. You told me, I told you to come at seven. You came at seven. What's the big deal? But after she explained to me the whole background, I realized how much effort she put in. I was like, wow, thank you. I very appreciate it. And I was taking about the guesswork of all these things and, and, and connecting that way. Yeah, there are, yeah, exactly. Regarding the preciousness and sanctity of a real sharing between a husband and wife, the Rebbe once told Dr. Ira Weiss, the time I spend with my wife each day is as important to me as putting on the film. The film on Weichmann. How, how amazing is that? 
Meaning, meaning, think about it in, in this sense. What is the most precious thing for you? And that should be how it is with your spouse. <laughs> and if I can imagine, like, the rabbi putting up to phone every day, it's not like, you know, it's like, yeah, I put on to phone every day. Yeah, it's like, you know, whatever. Let's say you like Shabbos kind of, very, how special is it? Imagine the most special mitzvah that you like, yeah, and that's how you feel the time and quality with your spouse. And this is a goal to achieve. It's not like in the beginning of marriage, you have no kid, you have no, you just run around, whatever. You, it's, you don't know, you just get off your phone. When you have kids, you have to make this time. And it's, you know, and also in the rabbi's busy schedule, imagine how his wife felt when he would come, he'd leave his busy schedule, the whole world is on his shoulders, and he comes home, sit down, and, and he gives over this feeling of like, this is the most important thing in my day, as important as it's film. He has some, whatever, the tea they had and they talked. Imagine how good she felt, you know? The, the rabbitson once told a relative of hers that she always waited out for the rabbi, no matter what time he came home, that her husband should come home to a dark house, cold supper, to be eaten alone was simply not an option. So what's, what is she saying here? You can guess, no one's wrong. You just guess. What what's the, what is she saying? What's the message? Be like, not comfortable like his state. Like he should. He's doing what he's doing, and she's gonna be ever together to make sure that. In other words, if if it was already when our divine became home, well, like okay, of course she'll be up, but like Robinson bent over backwards to make sure that the Reverend was treated the way a husband should be treated. Like when he came home, it wasn't just the Reverend; he was her husband. Yeah, you're saying, let me see if I understand, you're saying that she felt that he's the rabbi and she treated with respect. So how can it be that the rabbi comes home, the lights are off, or the dinner's cold? No, I'm saying the opposite. I know, because what are you saying? That when he comes home, he's not the rabbi, he's her husband, and she wants to treat him the way a husband should be treated. On, on the flip side, I might get known for this. Like, you might think that, like, yeah, that, that's very like she really sacrificed because she waited up till two, three o'clock in the morning. You know, she's so saying here that like, you know, the rubber of a good extraordinary makes no sure that the other should never experience anxiety or worry over their welfare. But again, like coming home very late at night, like clearly the Robinson just didn't care for herself that way. Like, you know, she was we're definitely not rabbit. No, for sure. That's what I'm saying. Like your average person <laughs> would definitely home, not. <laughs> so in this so in one sense like they're just above normal people and in the other sense they're a husband and wife just like any other couple like she wanted her husband to treat her like a husband not a dark house and not a cold supper so what's so what is the message for us clearly it's not we have to stay up till two in the morning necessarily what so what's the lesson how would we apply this to ourselves what is this what i mean what's the underlying message yeah and i think it's even more but just thinking she cared about her husband so much it's, it's pretty wild she cared about her husband so much and she's like how can my husband that i love and i care so much will come home and the lights are off and, and the food's cold i care about him so much i'm you know i don't think it was a hassle per se i don't know but i'm saying the, the, the idea was it didn't doesn't sound from this like a hassle for her to stay up. She's like, 
my husband, I love him so much. Like, this is a treat for me to be able to come home and like make him feel comfortable when he comes home. And like, like you were saying, it is, it's kind of someone else, but it's like on such a deep level. And it, it, meaning, meaning, we're thinking about someone else to such an extent we understand them and we feel them and we're like, we care about them so much, more, more than our sleep. And this is, you know, it's a level. level. And yeah, maybe not necessarily we're on that level, but it it shows where we're trying to go for. You know, when you get married, it's, you know, in the beginning of marriage, you always, everything's good. But then it's only you realize you have a lot of differences. And at that point, it seems to me, is you choose where you're going to go. You're going to put in the effort and try to get close and build, or you're just going to leave the way it is We'll just go further apart. But if you choose to go close, then you get this. Imagine how also how the Rebbe felt, how much his wife cared for him. And he comes home and she's been up. You know, and, and she appreciates he's not he's not around. You know, it's like the story my father tells us that's right. JJ Hecht, he used to go to the Rebbe's room all the time, a lot. So and so a few times, like Rabbi. Gurn would open the door, like, I mean, there's people need to see the Rebbe, you know, you take the guy every day, like, you know, the Rebbe needs other to see other people. So, right, right, I have said to him once, he turned, he goes, what do you think we're doing here, we're playing chess? We're talking about important things here. And he, and he walked the door and he locked the door so he couldn't open it. But the Rebbe, like, like meaning she appreciated what the Rebbe was doing, and together with that, it's like the, that, like that relationship is so powerful, you know? She's she's wanting to stay up for him, and he's appreciating how much he cares for him. I don't know, it's, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful marriage. Yeah. The Rebbe, the Rebbe, the Rebbe went to extraordinary lengths to ensure that others should never experience, yeah, experience anxiety or worry over their welfare. This is a very interesting story. And then also, that we have to learn. See, it's very important when we learn. This is a general rule when you learn. You have to read it. You have to understand it well enough and then you have to figure out how does this apply to me because not a lot of these stories in general whatever you learn what does that mean so we have to understand the underlying idea behind it and a lot of times then they're giving you know they give you a message what is that message and how do i apply that to myself so to here yeah, it's not it doesn't mean you know, some people the thing it means so i have to wait up for my husband who goes to the foreign i'll stay up and i'm gonna be tired and we walk like this and the whole day i'm gonna be grumpy and it's all about the sleep well, the lack of sleep. It's about the care and showing you care. Yes, yeah, so in this story, you'll see it as well. The rabbits once had a medical problem with their eye. A close friend of the rabbit's family who was regularly involved in the medical issues discussed the problem with a specialist who told them that there were two ways to treat the problem. So he mentioned the rabbits and that surely they would ask the rabbit which two treatments was advisable. Yeah, logically, you go to the rabbit, everything. And she gives a husband, it's easy access. So the rabbits immediately protested. Heaven forbid, I don't want my husband to worry about me. We'll decide together and do what has to be done. So don't speak to the rabbi about it. So nevertheless, as the chassid of the rabbi and family friend, the family friend wrote to the rabbi about the rabbi's condition anyway, while knowing the rabbi didn't want him to be aware of it. And because he's a you know, chassid, I don't know if it was a smart thing to do, but he did it after. So the rabbi, in reply with instructions for the best treatment, directed him to suggest this to the rabbi, but not in his name. So that she would not be aggravated with the knowledge that he knew. These are the acts of two souls deeply in care with each other. I think it was a 
Yeah. Yeah. So what happens here? The the Rebbitzin didn't want the Rebbitzin to know. She wanted to stress out. The Rebbe found out. See, he told her what to do. But he didn't want her to know because he didn't want her to stress out with the fact that he knew. So it doesn't mean you hide things from your spouse, but but it means you care. So that's important. It's people take this like, oh, so you don't have to say everything. Whatever, you have to figure out what to say or not. But but the, the message is they cared for each other. And for her husband to be in pain and to be worried, she didn't want. That's not she cared about him. Even to the extent that, it, that it's not good for her, but she cared about him that much. And so to with her, with him, he could have said, yeah, whatever, I know, who cares? But he didn't want her to feel bad if she would have found out, so he didn't want her to know. Yeah, respecting. A couple that was having communication problems can't see the Rebbe. This is also very powerful. The woman, the woman said that her husband was consumed with work, and when he finally found the time to speak to her, he criticized her and ordered her around. So this is in your chiddush why this happens. They're in your chiddush, and, and they're arguing in front of the Rebbe. The husband said that his wife has no respect for him and doesn't listen to anything that he any of his suggestions. So the guy goes, so the Rebbe says, why do you think your wife should listen to you? And Rebbe asked. So he goes, because the woman must respect the husband, he replied. There was like, why should you listen? Yeah, yeah, she should listen. She's meant to listen, no? They said, no. The first thing that you must follow is the rule that a man should honor his wife more than himself. Then she will have a husband whom she can respect and love. If the man does not follow, fulfill his role, then it is the woman who must respectfully bring it to his attention. Meaning, he is not behaving the way a man should behave. And he's not treating her the way he should. So he's getting these bad results. And they were saying, you're the mashpia. You're meant to be acting like a mensch. You're meant to do it in a way that she wants. It says, and so then Sidera says, and therefore she's, she doesn't listen to you because she's trying to show you you're not behaving like a mensch. Sidera says, it says, the famous part, what's a kosher woman that does the will of a husband? So the Rebbe says in the Sikha, he goes, what does it mean, Oisa? It does, she does. So the literal challenge, she does the will of a husband. But the Rebbe says, Oisa means, can also mean make. It makes the will of the husband. That, that a, a kosher woman, a smart woman, she knows how to, how to guide him in the way he's meant to be. But here we see nothing can be forced. And so it's very important in marriage. This is a very important point. I like sometimes people, especially in the beginning, you know, you want to have a good marriage. What do you think? What do we think a good marriage is? We don't fight. We get along. Everything's perfect. And that is not a good marriage. Good marriage is we learn how to, we learn how to discuss and to talk. You don't have to fight. You have to learn how to speak. And when something's uncomfortable, you have to learn how to speak it up and make a, space, a safe space to talk it out and to figure it out and to communicate them. Yeah, as simple as it may sound, there was one habit the Rebbe, of the Rebbe that I think this would enhance many marriages if practiced. And it's, it's, especially when you have kids, it's not easy. When you, it's a way to start marriage this way, but when you have kids, it's much harder to do. But you'll see, according to the accounts of those who helped the Rebbe's home, the Rebbe never addressed the Rebbe from another room, always going to wherever she was in order to talk Softly and in person, you know, like, hi, <laughs> you know, we scream, and it's hard, you have to get up and things, but but it's it's such a respect. And you can see all these little stories essentially show the Reb and the Rebbe's respect for each other and how we have to learn to respect our husband. And if we don't, we have to figure out what's causing that and what can we do to fix that.
And it could be learning to speak to Mashpios, learning how to communicate them. That's very important to them. Because a good marriage is, there's nothing better in the world. Of course, Mashiach. But I'm saying, but really having a good marriage is the best thing for yourselves and for your future generations. You know, it's like uh, they ask, I heard, uh, I can't remember his name, uh, Ryan Twersky. I can't remember what he said, but I remember he said, he goes, when I'm, when I'm, when I pass away and my kids are going to remember me and people are going to say, what was like his legacy? So I can't remember what he said. He gave some answer. And I was like, wow, that's such an interesting, like, and I, said, I thought of myself, like, what, what's my legacy when I go after 120 years or like, I can't all the people, like, what did he do with his life? So I thought about it. And one of the things I said is that, is that I had a good marriage. I worked on my marriage. And I think it's, uh, you know, I met some of you guys get married very soon. You take the same same derech. You see, can you imagine the change of in turn? Not to mention volume of our conversations if they were had face to face, if they were had face to face with our spouse. Is there a more practical way to convey affa- affection and respect for our life partner? Yeah, what's more respectful than walking to them instead of just screaming from across the room? One outstanding example: the Rebbe's, the Rebbe's dedication and respect for the Rebbe's wishes were exempted. Ex- exhibited immediately after the Rebbe's heart attack. The Rebbe's assistant had called in four different cardiologists. They all said the Rebbe had to experience a very serious heart attack and he must go to the hospital immediately. The Rebbe, however, was adamant that he wanted to remain 770. The Rebbe's heartbeat was not noticeably abnormal, but he still refused to go to the hospital. So at 5.30 a.m., this, you know, it's hours, very hours later, he should have been in the hospital a long time ago. They said the Rebbe's heart attack, he had two heart attacks. And the second one was worse. They said it was like a 10 out of 10. That's one you don't really recover from. It's Dr. Ira Weiss, he says that the Rebbe's recovery, like to go back to function the way he did, is, is partially a miracle. The doctor said that if the Rebbe refused to go to the hospital, they would leave, and they did. Meaning for them, medically, this is, this is suicide. So the local doctors who were present conferred and concluded that they had no choice but to sedate the Rebbe, put him in an ambulance, take him to the hospital. He's not listening, and, and, and it's like, halakhically, we need the Rebbe. Halakhically, you have to do this. But, you know, they didn't know how to do it themselves. Are you going to sedate the Rebbe? Like, suddenly, the Rebbe came down from the second floor and calmly asked, what's going on? The doctors told her that the Rebbe was in mortal danger and needed serious medical care. They could not take responsibility for the Rebbe's life, and they insisted that he be taken to the hospital. But the Rebbe was the Rebbe's next of kin, and they couldn't take him without her permission. She declared, all the years that I've known my husband, I don't recall a second when he was not in total control of himself. She would not agree to take that away from him. It's crazy because, because she's in her head, in a certain sense, she's saying he should be going to the hospital. But I know him and he's always in control. And if he's saying he's not going, then he shouldn't be going. Ah, it doesn't make any sense. And everyone that's medically Professional telling me he has to go to the hospital. How can I do this? Uh, Yehuda Krinsky, one of the Rebbe's secretaries, later said of that moment, consider the Rebbe's situation. Every doctor had said that the Rebbe must be taken to the hospital. The Rebbe said no. The Rebbe had one true chassid in the world, it was her. In terms of her respect for, her, for his decision. You know, not, meaning not necessarily she would have even agreed to it. It's like, I don't understand. There's 10 doctors telling you you've got to go to the hospital. Doctors are leaving because they're not listening to them. You know, saying stay. And she knew she could tell him. She could say, hey, buddy, you got to go. But she's like, I'm not taking that away from him. 
I think the following story sounds like the Rebbe's attitude about respect within marriage. Before his wedding, someone asked the Rebbe whether or not he should follow a certain custom. Uh, last one, this is very funny. A certain custom at the wedding celebration in which the groom gently steps on the foot of the bride in order that his voice will be heard in the home. The Rebbe looked bewildered at the question and advised him against the following custom. A husband should show his wife so much love that there's never an issue of his voice needing to be heard. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, it's a funny, interesting custom, eh? So I guess some of the lessons we learned, respect each other, care about each other, try to mold ourselves to be one, which comes about to the small acts day to day and being attentive to someone. If you want to buy your wife flowers and she wants you at home, or your husband says, can you please come home? And you decide, I'm going to go and uh, tell someone something. He asked you to come home. He didn't ask you to go do any trips. You know, and just, just really caring about someone else, caring about the other. And this and this is starts, you know, learning how to do it now. Thinking about someone else, knowing someone else. And yeah, and, and, and not assuming. It's also very big. We speak to couples and it's like, they say to us, is it obvious? I'm like, no, it isn't obvious. And you know, the challenge is when we buy ourselves, when, we, when we're single, or we live it with, like, or we, we have our relationships with our family, like a really deep relationship, we're all in that same boat. And we don't understand when you go get married, someone's coming from a whole different world. And, and their whole, everything is very different. And as you get married and as you start to live together, suddenly those differences come out. And you're like, you fold the clothes that way and I fold it this way. And you eat lunch this time and I eat lunch that time. And, and it's weird. And also a lot of time when you get married, a lot of the time you want to relive the childhood with, with your new marriage. You know, you don't do things you did at home, but you both have different homes coming together. It doesn't really work. And you got to learn how to figure it out. Mr. Shemba, all of us should have these issues and should have only brachis. You should have an amazing, an amazing marriage with all the work that it takes. And you should have the success. Happy marriage is, is worth its weight in gold. Chaim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh.